The rules of engagement vary widely in the animal kingdom, especially when it comes to romance. But whether a species has multiple mates or just one, at least there are rules. The gelata monkey may seem like a tasty Italian treat, but in reality, it hides a dark secret. Going against their own instincts, two star-crossed lovers will actively deceive their fellow monkey in order to rendezvous in secret. But infidelity never goes unpunished here in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal info. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. And today we're talking about a guilty little monkey. But more on that later. More, So much more guilt. It's, it's disgusting. This is our <laughs> first monkey, I think, right? First real monkey. We did an orangutan, which is an ape. Right. So we're finally delving into the monkey zone. <laughs> The, the monkey town. Yeah, that's it. We're, we're in monkey town. There we go. Okay. I'm going to a place, to, uh, I mean, to a town that's right for me. Monkey town. Gonna make a move to a town that's right for me. That's... <laughs> monkey town. Talk about uh, it. <laughs> talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it. Uh, yeah, we're talking about a little, uh, a monkey that looks like a baboon, but it is not a baboon. The gelato monkey. Uh... Are you sure it's not a baboon? Uh, the I watched a TED talk, almost, like not a TED talk, but a Nat, a Nat Geo talk, and they talk about how it's uh, branched off from baboons. But from what I understand, as we're going to go with the, the taxonomy, is that there are only two kinds of old world monkeys, and that's baboons and macaques. They might be. They're not true baboons. I don't know. That's what I. That's what they. The the science. The scientists I was watching were saying, they're in the same family. They're in different. They're everything is the same up to the family. Right. They're just in a genus and a species all to themselves. I, for all intents and purposes, there are baboons in my heart. <laughs> okay. Well, so, you, did you say it was the gelata monkey? Did you say that already? Gelata, yeah. Also known as the bleeding heart monkey. And I'll let uh, all political jokes just roll off my back there. Uh, the gelata baboon, which is why I was confused as to why it's not a baboon. But we're going to call it here the adulterous ape, which is not actually an ape, but it's a monkey. Uh, betraying baboons and sneaky simians. Interesting. Those are good. Yeah, they—they're not my best, but because I had to resort to alliteration and actually straight up being wrong in the first one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But oh, you go ahead and do the taxonomy. Oh, should I do that? Yeah, yeah. That's 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 next. That's the next part. I thought we were maybe throwing out all the taxonomy stuff. <laughs> um, well, we might as well if this thing isn't a baboon. Well, here we go. Uh, they're in the kingdom Animalia. You know it. You love it. You're in it. Um, they're in the phylum Chordata, and they're in the class Mammalia. They're in the order Primates. I would I would say Primates. You 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 know love and are in all of these. Uh, they're in the suborder Haplihorinae. I don't think you're in that one. Haplorheny? <clears throat> yeah. 
The in for order, Simiformes, the family, oh. <laughs> Sercopithesidae, Sercopithesidae, does that seem right? That's what I say, Sercopithesidae, okay. and that's baboons and macaques. Okay, uh, and then the genus is Theropithecus. Yeah. That's a good one. I like that. Therapist, therapithecus. Yeah. And then the species is gelato. Therapithecus gelato. Delicious. Nutritious. Gelato, I mean. Um, not, not not that nutritious. Are you ready to hear what this thing? No, because since we're in the business of naming things, oh. it's time for <laughs> listeners' favorite part of the show. Critter groups. Uh, which a which a secret private poll has proven. It's a dubious claim. Um, and uh, so in in this segment of the show, I Carlos asked Joe a uh, specific question. It's the same question every time, and that is, what is the name of the collective noun for this animal? I chose baboons for this one because I was under the impression that this was a baboon, and so I didn't go with monkeys. Um, it seems like maybe they were saying that it's s- distinct from African baboons. Maybe that's what they were saying. Oh, yeah, for sure. But there are lots of different kinds of baboons. Yeah. So, yeah. for all the intents and purposes. The way this thing looks, it looks like a baboon to yeah, me. Same. Anyway, so if you saw a group of uh, gelato monkeys out there in the distance, would you say that you're looking at A, a herd? Of gelato monkeys, B, a shuffle of gelato monkeys, C, a troop of gelato monkeys, or D, a court of gelato monkeys. A herd. Final answer? Yeah. Incorrect. That's not incorrect. It's a troop. I I mean, yeah, it's probably also a troop, but I like these like got these scientists kept calling it a herd over and over and over again, so it's because they're dumb and they don't know what they're talking about. They're dumb. They're the dumbest scientists. That, we're the smartest scientists. I did a Google search, and so I know the answer. I mean, I definitely knew a troop of monkeys was a thing, but I didn't. I thought maybe the geladas were special, or the baboon, baboons were special. But okay. I saw that the Huffington Post article called it a herd, but baboons are called a troop, so... I guess that because they don't understand how to classify this thing, they. <laughs> well, every I feel like a herd is like a, like a catch-all term. I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, say a herd of fish under any circumstances. I would. It'd be funny. It'd be rude uh, and disrespectful to fish in general. Okay, uh, the gelada looks similar to baboons, and maybe even is one with stocky bodies and strong protruding jaws. <laughs> They're often called bleeding heart baboons, you mentioned, because they have this patch of red on their chest, which will ha- has reasons I'll get into in a bit. Uh, they're a genus of grass-eating monkeys, which is distinct, which makes them a little bit more distinct from your other traditional baboons um, who have very omnivorous diets. But they're called the bleeding heart baboons because of their characteristic bare red patch on their chest um which is important in uh mating and uh selecting a mate 
Um, they also have thick brown hair that keeps them warm in the high Ethiopian mountains at nights. Um, and then males have large canine fangs that are among the largest among primates relative to body size. Um, males grind their top canines against the bottom row to sharpen them in preparation for a fight. Ugh. That's pretty hardcore. They, they need to see a dentist for grinding their teeth. They need, um, they need like a retainer or something. Uh-huh. Well, we'll pay them like every month just to keep them available. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's do, would you, are you ready for the listener's actual favorite part of the show? Uh, we already did that, so... No, welcome to the listener's favorite part of the show until empirical evidence proves proves otherwise. The show where... Or the part of the show where I pose quiz questions to Carlos to convey the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms. Welcome back to the season of Woe, the last episode of the season of Woe. The season in which the questions are harder and more relatable than ever. It's also the part of the show that's introduced by either a listener or an animal. If you would like to submit your own Measure Up intro, just say, sing, or bark the words Measure Up into your phone's recording app and email it to ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. Today we have a new Measure Up from a longtime friend of the of the show, Julia. You may recognize her voice from... Hooray! Yeah, you may recognize her voice from the end stinger. Without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. Hello, I am Julia, and I like to say, measure up. Thank you. That was excellent. That was uh, high quality. Yeah. Which is what we've come to expect from Julia. Every time. Uh Uh-huh. Don't change. (laughs) Very good. Very good measure up, Julia. Thank you very much. Um, Let's get right into male weight. Uh, The the males weigh uh, on the upper end about 18.5 kilograms or uh, 40.8 pounds. How many gelatas go into the weight of the world's largest gelato? Not including the cone. The cone. So there is a cone to this gelato. There is, but not including that in the weight. In fact, here's a hint. The cone, the gelato cone was made by Italian confectioners at the International Exhibition of Ice Cream. The cone was made of more than 2,000 wafers and 700, and 700 kilograms of white chocolate coating. 700 kilograms? Yeah, that seems like so much, but I guess white chocolate is extremely dense. I know, but what's that? still like... 1500 pounds <laughs> yeah i don't that that, that 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 sounds crazy to me um okay well that that was it a, says that's how much it took they went through to make it maybe they spilled a lot <laughs> that was the best hint you've ever given me you think that yeah <laughs> turns out the gelato is only six pounds um wow so this is a big this is a big wafer boy so I, at first I was like, "Oh, if there's a cone, then it can't possibly be swimming pool sized." But it sounds like it might be. You said 18 pounds for the uh, gelato monkey. Yep. All right, I'm gonna say that the largest gelato without the wafer, without the the cone and its white chocolate goodness, uh, its dense white chocolate goodness, is 9,000 pounds. That sounds like a lot, but if you have if your cone is 1500 then 
we're we're working with a lot here. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go with four hundred and fifty monkeys. Uh, yes, four hundred and fifty monkeys going to the largest gelato. Okay, so. The gelato only weighs about 70 kilograms or 155, 154 pounds. So that's 3.7 monkeys. Yeah. I put the link. I will put the link in the uh, show notes. Go check it out. It's, it's a 1,500. Yeah. It says 100. It's a 1,500 pound cone. Yeah. I guess you would have a cone that's heavier than, if you're trying to make a giant ice cream cone, the cone would have to be heavier. But I don't know about that much. But anyway, that's what it says. I just checked it again. It, it says 700, kilo, 700 kilograms of white chocolate and 100 or 70 kilograms of uh, gelato. Wow. So it's it's a tenth of it. It's a 90-10 ratio. Uh-huh. Are you ready to move on to life? Well, that really threw me off. That was a bad <laughs> hint. It was. It was going to be the best hint, but now it's the worst. Um, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I gave you another good hint in the next one. Let's talk about length. Um, they're 50 to 75 centimeters or 19.7 to 29.5 inches. Uh, that's 25 inches averaged. How many gelatas go into the elevation of the Ethiopian highlands? Another elevation question. Uh-huh. We got to le- learn a little bit of culture. We got to learn a little bit of geography. Um, so here's a hint. The Ethiopian highlands are called the roof of Africa, uh, and even the lowest elevation rarely dips below 4,900 feet. Hmm. That is a good hint. How, how, how long did you say the monkey was? 25 inches. Or what is it? Two, Two feet, feet and uh, an inch. Yeah. All right. Well, that's easy. You said the tallest point of the no, Ethiopian yeah. Islands? So, like, the the highest elevation. Okay. Well, I'll just say it's twice that much. I mean, maybe there's a mountain or something. I'm going to have to go with more than that. So, we're going to go with 15,000 feet. And if it's only two feet, then all I have to do is divide it by two, which would be 7,500 baboons. Go into the highest point of the Ethiopian highlands. Okay, final answer. Yes. Dang. Uh, yeah. The it's about fourteen thousand nine hundred and thirty feet. Whoa! <laughs> How close did I get? Seven thousand one hundred and sixty-six monkeys. Oh, I was three hundred and. 44 off. <laughs> uh, but That's good. Yeah, pretty that's good. Like, that's like, yeah, I like it. All right. You ready for some? Your 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 hints actually worked. <laughs> Dang it. I don't want them to work. Uh, so, okay. Let's get into some fast facts before we get into the major fact. Um, the gelatas form among the largest groups among primates with numbers as high as 1,500 individuals. Group size is highly dependent on food availability in in the animal kingdom in general, not just gelatas. Uh, So the size of your group is determined by the advantage you get in finding food with higher numbers versus the disadvantage of having to share. Um, However, monkeys that live on grass can find food in abundance as long as the grass grows. 
Um, Gelatas have jagged molars that allow them to grind grass efficiently, which helps them to survive on an energy-poor resource like grass. Um, Other grass eaters, like cows, have complex digestive systems that can get as much nutrients out of grass as possible, um, but gelatas don't have that. Um, we talked about the uh, the hotsin that has some special qualities to their di- digestion so they can eat leaves, but gelatas don't have that. They have regular primate insides. Um, instead, they have just efficient teeth that help them to pulverize grass uh, to help their digestive system get the most nutrients from it as possible. So our digestive system spends time breaking down green vegetables, especially raw ones, so you don't get the full nutrients after it's passed through you. But if you are like pulverized it, like if you uh, if, if you're eating pulp, then you're getting a little bit more nutrients. If you have so, a kale shake, it's better than just stuffing kale leaves in your mouth. Yeah, but you don't necessarily want to juice your kale because then you don't get the fiber. But <laughs> fiber uh, schmiber, you know. That's what I always say. That's what my grandpappy always said. And he never went to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Still has it. Not since 92, you know? (laughs) Once every decade. Um, All right. Gelatas can also eat snails, roots, lizards, and pollen, but they're mostly around uh, walking around the grasslands eating grass. Um, Gelata females signal readiness to mate with their chests. Um, they grow red beads that are that, that get bigger and redder when they're ready to mate. Uh, the beads shrink and grow paler it's when they disgusting. reach the end of their mating cycle. Males also have these red patches, and bigger, brighter, redder patches are a signal of like strength and uh, you know dominance. Um, so males will fight sometimes to the death. Uh, if a rival male takes over a harem, uh, they may kill the defending of uh, the defeated male's infants. So they they are brutal in during mating season, um, but such is the life of a gelato. And that's about all that's interesting about them. Okay, let's. Well, also to add to the fast facts, um, females when a new alpha male takes over and if they're gestating the um the offspring of the previous alpha male they can spontaneously give miscarriages yeah it's basically because purpose ish they know that the that it's going to be killed as soon as it's born so they like basically cut their losses because it takes a lot of resources and like it takes a lot of resources to gestate uh, an infant. So yeah, they cut their losses. And very brutal. Yeah. And also in the uh, description portion, like I couldn't, whenever I saw pictures of these guys, they look so much like lions. They have like these huge manes. And especially if you, if you don't see their face, like there was one where there were these two um, gelatas facing down to fight, and the one that was facing away, where I couldn't see its 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 head, it's just its mane and its and its uh, body and tail. I was like, that looks like a mini lion. It's uh, adorable. They they and they have those manes for the same reason lions do because it makes them look bigger. It makes 
a big mane means, you know, a big uh, dominant male. Yeah, it's sexual selection. Uh-huh. But you know what my least favorite flavor of gelato is? Grass? Betrayal. What? Because these monkeys are unfaithful. Oh, betrayal. I thought you said the trail. No, betrayal. Rocky Road? Is that what you meant? (laughs) That's the best flavor. That's not even a gelato flavor. Um, So gelatas, gelato monkeys, they hang out in, like you said, troops that number up to like 1,000 or maybe even 1,500. There's strength in numbers for sure. But within these troops... Uh, alpha males tend to lead harems of up to a dozen females, but females aren't the only ones present in these groups. There are also males that are there. Um, there are usually between one and four subordinate males, so beta males, um, as well as what the African Wildlife Foundation calls roving bands of frustrated bachelors. (laughs) Uh, why? Why are they frustrated, you ask? Because only alpha males have mating rights. And that's not uncommon in the animal kingdom where only the alpha male or the alpha female um, can mate. That's the case in elephant seals. It's the case in uh, Ethiopian wolves, which these uh, the gelata monkey shares a habitat with. Um, but gelatas handle the situation a little bit differently. Um, sometimes outside bachelors will handle it in what you would think is the normal way, which is they attack the alpha in order to take control of the harem, which is pretty par for the course in the brutal animal world. But other times, a female will actually run off to mate in secret with a beta male. Now, this is an upsetting of an established social order which is far less common in the animal kingdom. So I'll give you an example. Uh, with, with cuttlefish, beta males will actually disguise themselves as females uh, and be accepted into the alpha male's harem and then mate in secret with the alpha male's harem. Um, but that is not very common. Um, and the gelata monkey takes it to a whole different level. They actually feel guilty about their secret love. Now, guilty is a bit of a stretch because we don't know what animals feel. Uh, you know, I'm sure it's not guilt in the same way that we would feel it, but they do feel uh, well. They they do not want to be discovered. This is a a form of deception. Um, so. Gelatas usually make a lot of vocalizations, like very loud vocalizations during mating. And like most animals, uh, they don't care if you hear or see. They don't care if any other animals hear or see or um, if any other members of their species hear or see. Uh, there is no shame in, in mating. Um because uh, they have not experienced the fall like we as humans have. They only experience autumn. <laughs> so if you know the, these, the habitat where these guys live is a, a large open field in the Ethiopian highlands. Uh, so it, and if you, if you're mating 
situation is very loud vocalizations in a very open and exposed place, your infidelity is not going to be secret for very long. So, sneaky geladas specifically choose more secluded locations. Specifically, at least 65 feet away from the alpha male. Trying to break his line of sight with maybe other monkeys or a tree or something like that. Um, And they also, which is, this is, here's the part that really sets them apart, is that they make fewer vocalizations. So they have this instinct to make certain sounds during mating, and they suppress that instinct in order to avoid detection, which this is, this is very uncommon uh, in the animal kingdom. In fact, behavioral... Uh, ecologist Elisa LaRue says that tactical deception hasn't yet been systematically shown outside humans. So this tactical deception would be as opposed to functional deception where an animal takes an opportunity that's presented. So like for example macaques only mate when there is no one around to harass them. Um, So they'll hide and make sure that they're out of the line of sight but it's it's a different situation for than for the gelata monkey um but i don't know if i necessarily agree with this even though i'm not a behavioral ecologist but remember we talked about the nursery web spider would purposefully wrap up a rock or wrap up nothing um instead of a tasty treat in order to mate so I don't know if that's just functional deception where it's like, I, I don't have a fly. I'm just, uh, my instinct tells me to wrap something up. So I'm going to wrap up the first thing I see and it's, and instinct is just going to lead me through this. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't where the gelata actively s- thinks through the process of, all right, I don't want to get caught doing this. So I'm going to d- do something that is normal and, in a in an abnormal way yeah it could uh, and it's for good reason again it's like it's hard to tell the animal's feelings like what are their what are their thought processes going through this we can only go by behavior and behavior can be uh deceptive (laughs) (laughs) deceptive behavior um so but this is for good reason because if they're caught the alpha male will charge the copulating couple and uh try to bite them but when he chases off the beta male, he doesn't immediately mate with the the female that he's won back, essentially. Um, he just kind of goes back to whatever he was doing, and then the couple tries to do it again. They don't really learn from this behavior, which a lot of ecologists find disappointing. <laughs> uh, well, it, it could be because, like, if he does, then he won't know if it's his offspring or the other guys. Right, and it turns out that 17% of a harem, the offspring in a harem, are sired by um, beta males. Interesting. When really it should only be the alpha male. Interesting. So, clearly this behavior has not adapted to increase... Uh, the alpha male's um, genetic line. But maybe it will. Maybe he'll uh, kill the interloper and then mate with a female 
down the down the line. Yeah, could be, could happen. We don't know yet. That's all I got for the bleeding heart monkey. It's a, it looks wounded. <laughs> when you when you see it, you're just like it does. It doesn't oh, look good. What's wrong with that monkey? It's been speared in the chest. Oh wait, no, that's just skin. Yeah, this this was a spicy episode. <laughs> yeah. So for you out there in podcastia, defend those you love, but make sure to stay faithful and true, unlike the gelada in life, death, and taxonomy. Hey there, everyone. Carlos here with your weekly podcast PSA. Gelada monkeys may do dirty deeds in the dark, but we here at LDT want to bring them to light through an odd, twisted sense of curiosity and discovery. But we need your help to reach the masses. If you like our little show here, just pop on over to your favorite podcasting app and leave us a review for all to see. Things like this really help others know we're the real deal. Plus, if you'd like to hear yourself on the show, you can send us a recording of your version of the Measure Up intro to ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. podcast <laughs> Finn sweet uh without went off without a hitch <laughs>